Blog Talk Radio. We have these new little sliders here on Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Don't Let It Go Unheard, and I am Amy Peekoff. Uh, some people here over in the Blog Talk Radio chat room are remarking that they are getting two objectivist blog talk shows in one day. Well, we had to come here today because of Ted Cruz's announcement. Yeah, this is March 23rd edition. 2015, and it turns out that the timing of Ted Cruz's announcement of his candidacy as a presidential candidate for 2016 was perfectly timed. I I don't know that he could have done a better job because it turns out that 240 years ago today, Patrick Henry gave his famous Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech. 235 years later after that, and that is five years ago today, Barack Obama signed into law Obamacare, otherwise known as the Affordable Care Act. So how far have we sunk in the 235 years, now 240 years, where we have Obamacare entrenched? And uh, I think this is the perfect time for a would-be President Cruz to come up and say, imagine a president who in 2017 would sign into law a piece of legislation repealing every single word of Obamacare. And as far as I know, he is the only candidate who is forcefully out there announcing it time after time again. He's saying, no, I have not changed my position since 2013 when I did my pseudo-filibuster on the floor of the Senate. I still intend to repeal every single word of Obamacare. Uh, A lot of other awesome concrete proposals that he gave at his speech at Liberty University today. Of course, for someone like me, I'm an atheist. There was a lot of religion, and in particular, he also, you know, pledged to so-called protect life, right, which by that he means, of course, do something to make abortions 
harder to get or maybe even try to ban abortion. And at the same time, he talked about protecting the uh, sanctity of marriage. And that, of course, means that he would like to stop homosexuals from having a marriage. So those two positions I disagree with, perhaps even more because those did not surprise me. The fact that he would be at Liberty University and he would talk about those two policy issues did not surprise me. But what did disappoint me is when he was speaking about education and on the one hand talking about repealing every single word of Common Core, which we would all like to see done. Uh, But then when he talked about school choice being the new public policy issue, the freedom issue of our time, and then in the next sentence said that we should recognize a fundamental right to education, to me that's disturbing. Now, he wants to have school choice and have government subsidies for the education of your choice, whether it be, I guess, through homeschool, various private schools, including religious schools. But he is proposing a radical sort of change that, as far as I can tell, in that realm will not be a stable equilibrium. So perhaps for someone like me, where I believe we should get government completely out of education, that really a most important issue is to have separation of school and state entirely. Uh, yes, it would be great if everybody in the country had a, you know, a great education, but if we start to recognize a fundamental right to education and we try to have the state, quote, provide for that fundamental right by giving some sort of subsidies or vouchers or whatever, this is an unstable equilibrium. The next, I don't know if it's going to be another Barack Obama, but you know, Hillary Clinton, whatever Democrat candidate is going to say, look, you know, some people are not really choosing very well. We need to go back to providing this through a public education system entirely. I, I think that is uh, buying into a world of trouble. The other thing that I've learned, I've been teaching an education law class this semester at Southwestern, and up until now, there has not been at the federal level recognized a fundamental right to education. Our Constitution leaves education to be the province of the states. And then, of course, many states have in their own constitutions, California is like this, Illinois is like this, for example, uh, a fundamental right to education is listed in those constitutions. But to have at the federal level recognized a fundamental right to education is actually going to have the government have a bigger hand in education than it's had previously. So that is the one issue where I was unpleasantly surprised or disappointed, we Same might call it, right? That was, yeah. a bit, that was a big one. I'm welcoming here cartoonist Bosch Boston, who just strolled into the studio. Hello. How are you? Very good, thanks. Good, good. Um, over here in the chat room, John is joining us in Selfishness. Good to see a lot of the, the same usual suspects. John says, I am finishing up my 20th year of homeschooling and want nothing from the government except to leave me alone. Yes, and if there is going to be a fundamental right to an education, right? An education is a service just like medical care. I'm not exactly sure, and I would love, you know, I have a standing invitation. I keep sending to Cruz's people these standing invitations to come on my show. Of course, he's too busy on Hannity, and he's he's probably going to be on Limbaugh. Has he been on Limbaugh yet? No. He's been on Levin a number of times. Glenn Beck, I think, called up mm-hmm. after his announcement. Okay. And he also shook my hand once last year. Well, that's the most important thing he's yeah. ever done. Yeah. 
Um, we spoke for like a minute. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, so other than, and I, of course I had to get my disclaimers in, right? So I'm an atheist. I don't agree with his views on religion. I don't I don't mind that he's a person no, of faith, obviously. I, mean, I am supporting him provisionally. And I'm not tell, I'm not telling you that you all should. I mean the the decision to support Ted Cruz is a contextual decision. But as far as I can tell, we have someone who is head and shoulders above the rest here. And, you know, I mean listen to the things that he talked about. He talked about repealing every single word of Obamacare. He talks about abolishing the IRS, creating a flat tax, and we would be doing our taxes on a postcard. I personally, who still have some of my taxes to do for this year, would love to have that hassle removed from me. He didn't get a big applause for that because they don't pay tax yet. Most of the students, you know? Oh, pay. those kids, <laughs> yeah. They, they, they don't realize they're, they're, they're what, like, a, uh, what a pain what that it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the IRS is just counting on you, just losing... Uh, you know, momentum oh, yeah. at a certain point in terms of how many deductions you're going to claim and how much patience you have to try to figure out no, maximizing your deductions. It is a racket. Um, you know, there's a lot of entrenched CPO, uh, CPAs who do not want that to go away. But, you know, he wants to do that. He wants to get rid of the IRS. He's talking about closing the borders, but in the very next breath he talks about basically honoring yeah legal right. immigration and I've heard him talk in the past about having a much more open immigration policy than we do now. Uh, uh, you know, Savage again, actually Michael Savage rejected him uh, because of because it was that. Yeah. So that's you know that's how far gone Savage is. Right. You right. Know, borders, language, culture stuff thing. By the way, Savage, just one thing, Michael Savage, I listened to a number of the talk shows I mean, just to see sure. what they thought. Rush was good, uh, Levin was good and then Savage I basically put him on, he goes, basically the gist was I mean, I'll let the old guys talk about him. I don't want to talk about him. I'll vote for him, but that's it, you know. So quick, I mean, I just cut him off. Right. He's, right. he's just not a serious guy. I and mean, this is a, a big thing happened today. No, not at all. Ted Cruz yeah. finally announced, and he had nothing to say about it. Why does he have a talk show? No. Anyway. Yeah, and I mean, and we could talk about, you know, are are his positions perfect? It is perfect, in my view, to want to repeal every single word of Obamacare. And no one else saying that. It is great. The couple of, you know, kind of quote, replacement items that he talked about. It's funny because I think Fox News has a little poll that says, do you agree with Ted Cruz's plan to replace Obamacare? But all he was really talking about was getting government out of the yeah. way so that you could actually buy an insurance plan for yourself, have it individual as opposed to attached to your employer, and that he they would do things to basically get the government out of the way in terms of decision-making between you and your doctor. The two things that he talked about during his speech both involved just removing government yeah. from the equation. So it's not a replacement in the sense of, you know, the Republicans are going to come up with some crazy scheme that's still going to have government right. in the mix, but it's going to be so much kinder and gentler than... Uh, the Democrats' Obama hit you over the head version. What was that right? quote from Jefferson that he that he quoted about? Basically, um, something about you know government it can become really evil and corrupt. And I forgot how I put it. It was it was a great line. I forgot. Well, if I, you I, can, I thought, yeah. If you if you could maybe guess, find it, go find, ahead. Find a transcript. Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and tweet around or find it. Not tweet around. Google um, Google around. Actually, I'm a sweet and let people know that we are on live because we might not know. No, of course, this is an unusual time for us. But so um, that's perfect. It is perfect to want to repeal every word of Common Core. But as I said, I'm scared about. 
the idea of him talking about a fundamental right to education and that that was the worst. That that, that was, was the absolute worst. The absolute worst. We we need to get government entirely out of education for the same reasons in it as anything else. Um, you know, yes, it'd be much better if we had a completely voluntary income tax, but it is a solid step in the right direction to abolish the IRS and get rid of that entire lobby magnet that yeah. is the IRS and the tax code. Right. Talk about pressure group warfare and such an opportunity for that when the government has the ability to pick winners and losers. So, for example, to artificially encourage people to buy homes because there is a home mortgage deduction write-off. Now, I don't know that they're going to be able to get rid of that anytime soon. Maybe that's something that will still stay, even on the postcard. But the point is, is it, it, the, you know, the more you simplify the more you stop trying to, quote, nudge people via the tax code. And, of course, don't make us spend all that time filling out those forms. That would be a huge cost savings to Americans, even if the effective tax rate was about the same as it is now. But I imagine that Cruz would try to make it even a bit lower yeah. for most of us. And if you made it lower and simpler and then there were le- you know fewer loopholes for the so-called you know 1%, wealthier people, they'd probably end up paying more in taxes, but of course they wouldn't have to hire their fancy accountants and find all these different ways to get out of taxes either. So I think it would be a a win for everyone. Definitely a a solid step in the right direction. Um, So many of the things that he spoke about, you know, again, uh, immigration, let's go ahead and close the borders to the extent that it's possible to do so. It's a very large border (laughs) on all sides. Um, but do you know get the control that you can and actually properly screen people who are coming in and have a proper open immigration policy? That's the the right thing. I know that Cruz believes in significantly going in that direction. Yes. So it says fake Ayn Rand in the chat room says everyone should be uh, wary that he is just pandering for votes from the objectivist faction. I mean, honestly, today he was it was uh, very religious. He I mean, was heavy. Yes. It was in a religious college, the biggest religious college, as far as I know, on Earth. Uh, so that didn't. That, well, the, the, I mean, the, that's not how you get objectivist votes. Well, and the other thing the is the whole I, context of who he is. I, there's there's a number of people who call themselves Ayn Rand fans, who for whatever reason don't no. like him. So Ken Gardner yeah. out on Twitter is one of them. And uh, when you find when you ask them flat out why. It really give any strength. Well, yeah. So, so, so here's the yeah. question, right? So, you know, he's he's listing off all of these wonderful things that he would do as president. So, for example, instead of snubbing Benjamin Netanyahu, he would actually firmly stand side by yeah. side with Israel. Probably. He would not go to the UN behind the back of the U.S. Congress in order to get whatever foreign policy twisted things that he wants to do. Uh, in fact, he would make sure that Iran does Never. not get a nuclear weapon. Because right now, Barack Obama is trying to figure out how to do an end run around Congress and make a deal with Iran that even Democratic senators don't want. So he's listing all of these things, right? And as he's listing all of these things, you're thinking, okay, if there is someone who actually believes that we want a smaller government, limited government, and you also believe in the United States' right to defend itself and that we should have an alliance with Israel, which is our only true ally in the Mideast region, which does pose a threat to us right now. 
um, that we should stop Iran from getting nuclear. If, if you're a person who agrees with all of those concrete positions, then why are you not at least tentatively supporting this guy? Because I'm not telling you I'm going to stick with him no matter what to Absolutely. the bitter end, right? I we'll have see. some reservations. He's a politician. I, First of all, he's a politician. Right. And, you know, he was, uh, I mean, I think today with the, with the religious push today, I think was really trying to get those religious people who did not vote in the last few elections. They didn't vote for Romney. But also, I mean, there's one observation where Romney believes in God, you know, and that, that didn't move people enough to get out to the polls because he's a lousy politician because he sucks, because he's a Democrat. So, you know, they like uh, Cruz. And plus, I think he's just trying to tell people, you will have someone in the race to vote for. And a lot of Americans believe in God. Right. Objectivists seem to, I don't know, some of them at least, like that is a, a, a scar on Ted Cruz. I could never vote for him. So if you if you vote, if you wait to vote for objectivists, you will die without voting. Right. Probably. Just really likely, let's just say. So where we are, you have to take that in full context. You've got to realize where we are. I'm sorry, I just had that, that thought. But you, you, you were saying basically you got all these things that we do agree with. Big picture wise, these and very important issues. A lot issues, of people agree. A lot right? of people, and a lot of his critics even agree. Mm-hmm. There's something there. Yes. Uh, and, yes. And, and and some critics, even like Thomas Sowell, who's usually good, had a pathetic uh, article last year suggesting that he's very much like Barack Obama. He's articulate. He's a first term senator. Obama hates America. Right. Ted Cruz doesn't. Right. And they know that. But in order to try to smear Ted Cruz, you have to leave that aspect out. Right. Well, and then the other thing is, you know, I don't understand the vehemence with which people reject Ted yes, Cruz. Exactly. I have a hypothesis right. about it in a minute, and it actually comes straight really from, from Gutfeld. Gutfeld yeah. is a, a very interesting person. Because, That's one way to put it. Well, but he's remarkably honest. About some things, so some yeah, things. We'll, we'll we'll get there in a, in some a yeah we'll we'll get there in a second. But um, I don't understand the vehemence. But the other thing is, I, you know, again, everyone has to realize that if you're going to endorse the candidate, it is contextual. So here in the chat room, Fake Ayn Rand says, "Oh, well, Cruz is pandering for votes from many factions. Is it possible to be pro reason and pro mysticism at the same time? Absolutely not. And of course, that is true." But I would say that pretty much any candidate that's going to be in the Republican side is going to be trying to straddle that balance. Um, Cruz probably does a better job of balancing those two than anybody right. there. Um, but let's let's look at the alternatives in the field, okay? Let's let's look at what well, little we know about um, them also at this point. So Scott Walker, Scott Walker is okay. Yeah. I would probably consider voting for him. However, you had said, Bosch, in the past that he has been a supporter of Common Core. Yes. Which... And according to conservatives, he's terrible on immigration. And he was a little cold to the Tea Party last year, especially uh, two years ago, actually, in uh, Ted Cruz's efforts to defund Obamacare. He wasn't crazy about that. He wasn't really crazy about it. And he never speaks about against Obamacare, at least from what I see. It's not an issue with him. It's not a big issue. And that's a problem. It is. That's a real problem. It is a, it's a super problem. And then, of course, and then move, but he's got, quote, executive experience, so I think that's wonderful. Now, the other person who has, I quote. I argue against it right now. Yeah. No, the experience factor, okay? Today, people are trying to tell us 
that Barack Obama's problem is that he's inexperienced. Right. So they're telling us his hatred for America, being raised by anti-American Muslims and communists, had nothing to do with the way he operates today. Right, right. It's just that he lacked experience. Because if he had a little more experience, then he'd be like George Washington. You know, just a little more experience. That's pathetic. But, but, and that is, again, that is uh, a pre-argument against Cruz, is what they're saying. Like, oh, he had no experience. That's why it's a, it's a mess. So we can't have this other guy with no experience, Ted Cruz. That's it. That's the only reason why they keep saying it now. They're harping on it hard. And each of these guys, each of these critics, have their own boy on the side, whether it's Jeb Bush or Walker. They have their own little favorites. And Ted Cruz scares them. Well, and and that's what we're going to try to try to figure out why, right? That's what we're going to because they seem to be so so. Uh, you know, Walker, he has not come out strongly against Obamacare. No, he hasn't. When he's been doing interviews lately, I guess in this sort of exploratory way, he's been fairly disappointing yeah. when he's been asked about evolution. Even and, his fans right? are like. Mm. Mm. So he is not as forthright and sincere. No. This is one thing that even the people on the five, for instance, Dana Perino was excellent today on the five. I'm shocked. And, and I know you're shocked because you wouldn't have expected this about her. Bush but she said that um, Ted Cruz came across as sincere and the, the idea of a person who can get up without a teleprompter and give that sort of a speech, she says you get the impression it definitely comes from the heart and he's completely sincere. Give her kudos. Okay. And she did it even in the face of Gutfeld, who was yeah. the naysayer of the bunch. Uh, you know? Him and Juan Williams. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. What a hack. Oh, no. It was, it was really funny. But one thing. But, about, about the sincerity factor, mm-hmm. uh, Cruz, these guys would never say, I, even about this, I, look, it's a matter of reason. It's, it's, it's not faith. We understand that. It's, you know, people reject him on the basis. Some are rejecting completely whole cloth. Oh, he loses God. It's, it's, it's whatever. This is where we are. Any anyone on the right who says I'm I'm an atheist is going to win. It's impossible. I think he believes it. I think Ted Cruz actually believes what he said today, and he's forthright about it. I don't think Walker would say what he said today. I don't think Christie would say what he said today. No. I, don't, I don't think Rand Paul would say on that no. kind of forthrightness. And that's the best thing about that is you know exactly who you're dealing with. You know exactly who you're dealing with. There's no mystery about about Ted Cruz. Uh, there isn't. I mean, everything that they say more or less it aligns with what we know. About Maybe they all think he should have left something to the imagination. Is that it? I don't know. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> no. That's interesting. It's like people sometimes they resent reading Iran because they're not left there to take part in the fiction, like to you know to interpret it. She she she, she writes it all out. I mean, I, I want to interpret some of these things. Well, she doesn't allow it. That's her world. I want you know? I want to take some license with it, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. do. They want to misinterpret. It. Yeah. So so. Um, Walker is equally religious, yes, so if you have the idea that you don't, well, and it was, and now with this speech, he might be forcing some of those guys to come out a little more. He might Walker might come out tomorrow. I want to be well, I'm, I'm going to be a preacher. And, yeah. and, he, and here's what one person said. Right, they said, well, whether or not Cruz wins, no doubt he is going to move the no debate doubt. among these candidates and push them in the right, the right yes. direction. Yes. In, you know, especially with respect to limited government. Yep. So let's look. So there's Walker. Now, what about Chris Christie? Chris Christie is just unacceptable to me. I mean, first of all, there was the whole traffic bridge yeah, thing. Yeah. The idea, well, the idea that, please. yeah, and the idea that you would cavalierly destroy hours of people's lives on a political vendetta is 
horrible. Yeah. So there's that. So what is he going to do if he's president using his so-called executive experience? We saw what he's doing there. Yeah. Then the other thing that he just did in the last week or two makes him completely unacceptable to me, and it is this. He has been bragging about what a good job he's done for New Jersey because he has gotten a whole bunch of people under the Medicaid expansion of Obamacare and saved New Jersey a lot of money. Why? Because the way that Obamacare sucks these governors into the Medicaid expansion is by saying, oh, don't worry, for our first few years, it's not going to cost you anything Translation, all the taxpayers around the country are going to be paying for and, your new Medicaid. And when Christie, yeah. he decides that, and then he'll, he'll be leaving, and they're stuck with a bag. Yes. You know, New Jerseyans. Yeah. And he's bragging about it. He's, he's bragging about it. And, and he's, gonna, he's using all of us, the American taxpayer, to look good as an executive with so-called experience doing great things for New Jersey. And then when he becomes president, who is he going to fleece? Because yes. right now he's fleecing all That's of us true. for New Jersey and he's bragging about that, it. That, that is not a limited government person. He no. should just be a Democrat. That's it. Yeah. And supposedly he's tanking terribly. Now, we have a new person in the chat, Mark. Yeah, Mark, welcome. But once you bring up, uh, once you bring up Bertha questions, I mean, you're already, to me, off the mark. I mean, you are. People have actually written about this, and yeah, know, the, Har- the Harvard lawyers, the Harvard Law Review blog has leftist, a, right. an article that they just published by both you know a liberal and a conservative, and they agree that He's Ted eligible. Cruz is definitely eligible to be you know, president. So, so the, the birther issue's gone. And again, some people are saying that is what disqualifies in an angry word or with all caps. Well, the, and this that. is the thing: why the anger? Why the, why anger, the anger? Why the why anger? anger? So, for I mean, first of all, there there is such a thing, right? And some people just say, "Well, I just don't like him," you know, and they don't understand. And what comes a bit about what, him. what what of his yeah, what comes what comes to mind for me is there's that passage from Atlas Shrugged. It's towards the beginning when James Taggart and Dagny Taggart are talking about Hank Reardon, and he says, "I don't like him," you know, and and Dagny says. I do like him, but what's really the point about that? Now, why don't people like him? And and this goes back to, and this is something I've talked about time and time again, where it's important to, I believe, support programs of the Ayn Rand Institute, support this radio show. Yes, you can go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com and donate. Um, support the undercurrent that works to help expose students to Ayn Rand's ideas Anything that's getting those ideas out there, because I'm telling you this, and I don't care, you know, kind of, you know, what ideology you're coming from, if you're not necessarily an objectivist, but Ted Cruz is a cut above all of these other politicians. Ted Cruz is probably the best guy that there is in Washington right now, at least that I know of. And what is what is the difference that makes the difference? The difference that makes a difference. I mean, he's religious like all these other guys. He has backgrounds that are comparable to them, you know, Marco Rubio and everybody else. But the influence of Ayn Rand on him, such that he would get on the floor of the Senate, read from Atlas Shrugged, read from the Fountainhead, and say that Ayn Rand is one of his heroes, that is the difference that makes the difference in Ted Cruz. And here's the deal, right? Greg Gutfeld today, what does he say on the five? He says... That he believes, and he's been saying this for a while, Ted Cruz is just in it for himself. Now, obviously, it's a uh, it's a false dichotomy, right? Um, a politician can 
certainly legitimately be in it for himself and also be in it for the country. Yeah. Um, you can expand it, yourself interest toward the country, yeah. with the country. Yeah. Obama's got some calculation in his mind where he is sinking the country and wow. hoping to profit oh, off yeah. of it somehow. Yeah, but, he'll, he'll get his out. Right. But no, nobody who's rational and thinking long range is, is wanting to do this. But right? Guffield said the same thing about Snowden. He well, right. That's a rock star. But what I'm saying is there's something there also. Right. This guy did something good. He alerted us. Right. About a major problem, and Gutfeld, yeah, he just wants to be a rock star. But this means Gutfeld's consistent. And, and here's the thing I think that, although, again, um, Ted Cruz is religious, he seems steadfastly religious, and I can understand listening to his speech today why he has, is steadfastly religious because yeah. he revealed that his father had left his mother and that the only and reason that the father, yeah, he, I mean, the father had flown back to the United States. And then the reason that he came back to be with his mother believed, yeah. and him, well, and this is this is yeah. what this is the story he told, was because his father had been converted to Christianity by a friend yeah. that he was speaking to. So you can understand, you know, the, the place why why religion is there. But nonetheless, very strong influence of Ayn Rand. He gets on the Senate floor. He says Ayn Rand is one of his heroes. One of my all-time heroes. All-time heroes. During the Rand the Rand Paul filibuster. So he twice he did twice he did it. Twice okay on the floor Senate in March of 2013 and then September 2013. Beautiful. So twice and that's that's is significant. It is is very so you can tell that she's had a profound effect on him such that he actually carries himself out there as a person who you know when you think of Rourke in the Fountainhead for example you know that he doesn't believe that these other people have a right to one minute of his life, a no. claim on him, right? So I'm pretty sure that Cruz probably is conveying something of that to people. And if people have any sort of a resentment of, of that, it's going to be a hostile, right? So and, and as much as many, many conservatives, they definitely think they're you know, uh, a supporter of the pursuit of happiness, of capitalism, of limited government. The thing that really is at the root of that is the belief that you have a moral right to your own life, that it is moral for you to pursue your own happiness, that if Ted Cruz runs for president, he should relish in the idea of being president or at least think that it's not so unpleasant mm -hmm. that he thinks it's a value to take it on and try to right. save the country. Um, Whereas, you know, Guffel saying if he's doing it for him, so if he does it for us, he then drag himself like a drudgery. I mean, like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. You know I mean, right. I'm doing it for them. And that's acceptable to him. Someone who doesn't want to do it for themselves and for the country. Right. It doesn't make sense. Also, I mean, I mean, the, the, you know, the the, the ideal, maybe in his view, is whatever he probably read in Plato's Republic, where the maybe. ideal rulers are the philosopher kings right. who do not want to rule, but they're actually forced yes. to come down, you know, from the world of the forms and contemplating the forms and actually, you know, muddy themselves in the water well, with the hoi polloi, so to speak. Joe Andrews says that Rand Paul is also a big admirer of Ayn Rand. Rand Paul did not go on the floor of the Senate during his filibuster and talk about Ayn Rand and, and read from Ayn Rand. He didn't do that. You got to pluck. You got to pull his teeth to talk about Ayn Rand, and he always does it in a very slightly distant way. I've seen him do it. It was a um, an interview with he was with with the doctor closing mm -hmm. closing on. I liked yeah, I liked the books you know, and this. So he's not on a level that ever. He never said what Cruz said about Ayn Rand ever. 
didn't go on the Senate floor and talk about it the way he did. That is a, that's different there. He likes Iron Man. He might be a fan of hers, but he's, he didn't go to the point where Cruz did. Put it on the map. Mark in the chat room says, has Cruz shown that he's going to act based on what he learned from Atlas Shrugged? What's to keep him from doing a Paul Ryan, et cetera? Now, I agree that he's not necessarily going to, you know, completely. Yeah, but hold on. Mark, Mark is thinking about the uh, the birther thing. So he's a critic on that basis. He brings up the birther. Well, uh, right, right, right. But, but so let's... what I'm saying is he already believes that he's illegitimate on that basis. Right, right. But still, um, so so first of all, there is no candidate today that is going to bring in the ideal objectivist you, you form can. of government tomorrow. That's true. But when he's listing all of these concrete things, as, you know, that I went through the different positions, those are all for the, you know, except for the issue of the education and the two religious issues. They are all significant steps in a right direction such that people are, in effect, scandalized. And he even said during the speech, I, I know that a lot of these things, like abolishing the IRS, uh, maybe even repealing every word of Obamacare should sounds like a stretch to people now, but it shouldn't. Um, but, you know, he talks about, I know you maybe think this is improbable, but if you compare it to what our founders did, if you compare it to what was achieved when Reagan took office and then later they, you know, got the Berlin Wall torn down, uh, that seemed improbable at the yeah. time. So so I, I think he's definitely making significant steps. Now, he says, what's to keep him from doing a Paul Ryan as soon as he's confronted we'll by the press? This is what we will see. see. I would like, and and, you know, again, if I was able to interview him, I would ask him. Now I've got, I guess, two main questions. Um, What would you, actually, no, three questions. Three questions total is what I have for Ted Cruz. So the three questions would be, um, what message would you have for atheists who would otherwise support you, but they disagree with your position on abortion and? Yeah gay marriage. Um, the second thing is, how can you reconcile your religion, which arguably should have an ethics of sacrifice, and your various positions about majorly scaling back government programs that in effect help us all keep, our, you know, make ourselves our brother's keeper. Um, but the third one now in light of today is I would ask him, why would you want to have at the federal level a recognized fundamental yeah. right to education, which would just entangle the government in education more when we need to be going in the opposite direction. I mean, he seems to recognize that we should go in the opposite direction. Why? He wants to repeal every single word of the Common Core. He wants to give people more choice over their schooling. That is but that what contradicts I hear. the fun- That's what I hear. Right. Well, I hear repeal Obamacare. I hear abolish IRS. I hear repeal Common Core. That's what I hear. I don't hear the religious stuff as much. I mean, it's there. You know, I'm not crazy about it, but it is what it is. He's a religious guy. Uh, Joe asks here, Bosch, if Cruz goes religious, he's gone religious. Joe, he's gone religious. He believes in God. He's sincere about it. It's very important to him. And it is what it is. We can't reject these people. It's like I resent being rejected because I'm, I'm an atheist. And on that basis, oh, you're an atheist? To, you know, away with you. I've gotten that before. Mm-hmm. And that's pathetic. And I wouldn't do that on the other side. He has a lot of other things going for him outside of that. And the reason I like him, it's not a big enough reason for me to dismiss him. In other words, especially what he's promising and what he's done. People say he's done nothing. He has fought the good fight since he's been in power. 
And thus you build that fight. He has only limited power. Well, and then let's talk about Rand Paul. As it stands right now in my mind, I have the idea that I could vote for Rand Paul if push comes to shove. However, my major reservation is in the realm of foreign policy and particularly the idea that he wouldn't think that we were right to prevent Iran from getting a nuclear Absolutely. weapon. That's what comes so on. that is a major, you know, he talk, also suggests talk that about the idea of an existential threat to United States and our allies. He also suggested about, about sanctions in World War II, like, well, you know, sanctions with Japan and Germany. You know what I'm saying? As mm-hmm. in we brought it on to some extent. That's his father talking. And he slips up sometimes. And then he says we should, should boycott, you know. Yeah, Saudi Arabia. You know, I almost got excited. That's good, but I, does I almost, he mean it? Well, and, and, and here's the thing. like When I saw the headline, we should boycott Saudi Arabia, then, yeah. you know, he, he was calling on people to boycott Saudi Arabia. Reason. The only reason was because of their treatment of, uh, of a, women. A particular woman in a particular case. That's what I mean. They are, every day they commit crimes against humanity. Yeah. This is their system. But he was he named a particular individual woman in a particular case. Don't they don't they hang homosexuals there too, or not in Saudi Arabia? They probably do. I mean, yeah, well, they hang up for being homosexuals, for being sorcerers, for being you know infidels. Yeah, they mm-hmm. they cut their heads off actually, and they were running out of sword of, of head cutters. They had to get some new ones because they were running out in yeah, Saudi Arabia. They weren't yeah. as good as as the old ones. You know, they're losing their their uh, you know traditions. Yeah. Right. So selfishness here in the chat room says. That Cruz will give us more time to teach objectivism, which is more than we have now. I mean, this really is a thing. Uh, That's a good John, point. John, John Roberts here points it out. He says Cruz is actually better than we should expect at this point in our culture. And you know, I've talked about this on our show before. I mean, we've talked about Cruz off and on for a long time. And whether or not, you know, for example, while he's been senator, he's not been able to achieve all that much because. He either they haven't had a majority, or when they do have a majority now, the Republican leadership is not very much in in it, favor. There is of, no leadership. Yeah. I mean, I mean, really, there is no leadership in the Republican right. Party. Ted right. Cruz was the default leader. Leader. Yeah. So, so the idea of him being able to do that has uh, been pretty pie in the sky. But at the same time, there is a value of actually seeing a political person in a position of power in the United States saying something relatively close to the right thing. So for all of us who are trying to fight for the future, to fight for not just a return to the founding, but something that is even better and more stable and more long-lasting, right? Get rid of some of the contradictions inherent in the founding in this country. But I mean, here's the idea. Basically, what I think what you have with Ted Cruz is somebody like our founding fathers You know, one one of our founding fathers who was religious. Now, maybe even arguably more religious than many of them, but along the lines of of that sort of. And would you say, oh, I wouldn't vote for that person? Now, if if there was a viable alternative, fine. Um, Rand Paul, as I understand, is just as religious as Ted Cruz. Yes, but he keeps it a lid on it. Right. And that's what I'm saying is I prefer Ted Cruz coming out to us as he does today, as he does normally. There's no mystery with him. It's like, I know exactly what we're getting. He doesn't, whereas Rand Paul will hide it a little. He'll hide his foreign policy truth a little also, which is a, which is a problem. Right. I'd rather know exactly what we're dealing with, and I think we, we have that with, with, with Ted Cruz. One thing also, um, uh, on the five, uh, the little clip, uh, Eric Bowling. Oh, Eric Bowling, yes. Can you just Yeah, so, so 
Bowling says he agrees basically every single position of Cruz. He loves it. And, of course, Bowling himself is religious, so yeah. he's got no reason to disagree with but. pretty much anything. But he says, he says, he thinks maybe Cruz is not ready yet. And when he was talking about the time frame in which he thought Cruz might be ready, he said eight years. Now, I think he said eight years because he's assuming that whoever is elected in 2016 is going to serve two terms. So he has in his mind somebody else with more executive experience. Maybe Cruz would be the vice president, whatever it is. But he, I think he's got some idea in his mind. But I will want to ask him this question. Do you think that we could survive eight That's years of, for example, another Bush. Is, we have we have every reason to believe that Jeb Bush would be yes. like another George W. This Bush or like his father. This is not the time to start right. thinking about the future in that right. in that sense. We are in deep trouble now. We have a guy gunning for us in the White House today. He has two years left. He's hurting us every single day in ways that we don't even know behind the scenes. And Eric Bowling sitting back and saying, I like Cruz, but... Uh, let's just think about the, you know, it, that is pathetic. Well, and, if this and, is the guy, I don't care if he's only a two, you know, two two year senator, first term. And let me let me give you guys a well, really was, sorry, uh, well. I have a big argument though. Lincoln, a congressman for a very short period, lost in the Senate. He became president, one of the greatest presidents of all time. George Washington was not a governor. He was not a manager. He was he was a general. So and, and Cruz is smart enough to know what he doesn't know and to hire who he needs. Yes. He has gotten the endorsement in terms of his intellect from Alan Dershowitz. He said he's one of the smartest students he's ever had. Exactly. And Dershowitz so is very is, rational is, in some ways. And this is not going to be true of Barack Obama. So there's no not. way he's not, he's not anywhere close. But here's another crucial consideration. Again, I don't think that the country is going to do very well if we have a Bush, a Christie, maybe even a Walker it is, and and who knows with with some of those milk toast guys. I mean, the whole idea last time was that if we nominate a McCain, if we nominate a Romney, that those people are electable, right? Those people are milk toast, and that's what I call a lot of these candidates, the milk toast people. Rand Paul is not milk toast. No, um, but, he says things that you guys don't say, which I like. Right. I like certain aspects of right. Rand Paul. Right. And then he undercuts himself next day. But you know, probably I don't know if they would nominate him. But you know, these other guys are milk toast. So if we have a milk toast, do you think whoever the milk toast is is going to, for example, get rid of the less the recent FCC power grab mm -mm. over the internet? Absolutely. Not. Cruz will do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty sure Cruz will do that. Now, now think the about this too. Quo is what um, they believe in. The FCC, and we we talked about net neutrality on one of our shows. So if you go back and search here on the Blog Talk Radio archives, you can check out the whole thing. But one of the things that this power grab of the FCC does is the FCC now has the power to direct how the internet service providers treat content. So if the FCC is regulating how the providers treat content, the FCC is regulating content. So the FCC already is grabbing the power to regulate the content on the Internet. If we have eight more years of either a Democrat or milk toast, do you think that we're going to have the kind of free speech that we would have under a Ted Cruz? Again, I shared today on the Don't Let It Go on Her page on Facebook a link to Ted Cruz giving about a 50-some-odd minute or whatever speech yeah 
on free speech. This man understands free speech. He understands that corporations can speak. He understands that it requires money to speak and that if you don't have control over how you spend your money on the spreading of content, you don't have free speech. It was awesome because, you know, the Democrats, they had a failed grab to try to control speech with, you know. Yeah, and he he called them out. It was wonderful. He says, you know, they're trying to repeal the First Amendment and here's how it's all connected up. And he has a deep understanding of the importance of speech. So suppose there are things you don't like about Cruz. At least under him, it sounds like you could speak. That's what I'm saying. But but these things are important. Right. Those those things they're saying. And for a Boeing say, well, that's I want him more more than anyone, but it's more important than eight-year idea. More important than where we are, where we got to go. Eight more years of a lot of Obamacare. I mean, whoever comes in is going to have a huge task on their hands trying to get rid of Obamacare. Again, the Medicaid expansion has put a huge number, I mean, hundreds of thousands at least, maybe up to a million now, more by now, are on the Medicaid rolls, and that means they are in single payer. They are in. That Medicaid expansion is almost like the Trojan horse of Obamacare because it is entrenching a huge single-payer element into the uh, medical services industry. The only industry. candidate who seems to understand the enormity of the danger of Obamacare is Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. Ted Cruz did his talk today because of the passage of Obamacare. It's also the, uh, the, the speech of Yeah, uh, we were Patrick talking about Henry. that, Patrick Henry. But that is significant. He's the only one who understands the full threat of Obamacare to the country. The other guys seem to be able to live with it. That's unacceptable. You know, that's important. I mean, this is something that we have to defeat. We've got to get rid of. And if, if, you know, if he can do it, think about that. What else can be done? Right. You take down Obamacare, you take down a lot of this government. You know, as you say, the the last one out, you know, right. take, take, the, take the last horrible one. I mean, I, I guess the FCC one and then Obamacare and then the other net neutrality and, and so on. But he's the only one, I think, with conviction who can come off and actually understands it and explains it. And he keeps saying, I, th- I think he said at least twice, repeal Obamacare. It's not just a, a phrase. I think he believes it. Right. He believes it can be done. The other guys, again, they don't bring it up. Rand Paul, who's a doctor, doesn't even talk about it. They're having a bit of a debate here in in the chat room about the danger. And I think this is a real danger. I take this seriously, too. Um, Obama is pushing it in a sense where, you know, he he keeps supporting Islam. Well, right, right, right. But this idea of mysticism being a tremendous danger and, as Leonard Peikoff has warned in the dim hypothesis, that he is concerned that the next, totalitarian takeover is going to come from religion, not from the nihilist left. And this is a calculation that we make right now, right? Because we've got the specter of maybe an Elizabeth Warren coming in and Hillary Clinton. A lot of people think that she's fairly benign, but she's a pretty wicked person, right? So recently we saw a little bit of a replay of the kind of stuff that Hillary Clinton can do. Um, she got caught with the email server, the private email server, and she's trying to play it off as if she's the great benefactor to mankind because she has shared a whole bunch of these emails Hmm. with the State Department or whatever. You know how she did it? She gave them 55,000 printed pages of email, printed 
pages. So the idea that you're going to find anything in those, you know, she just said a big F you to the State Department and gave And similarly, when she was putting together Hillary Care, they gave to the senators, the senators who were going to, supposed to read and discuss the proposed legislation, they gave them a stack of, I don't know, hundreds or thousands or whatever, how many pages of this piece of legislation with no page numbers. This is the kind of thing that a Hillary Clinton does. Um, you know, talk about somebody being out for themselves. And she, of course, had the aide, Huma Abedin, who has connections to the Muslim Brotherhood, who is an enemy of the United States, et cetera. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't think that she's going to do us any good. We know that Elizabeth Warren mm. is an extreme egalitarian leftist. And I, I don't believe that any other Republican candidate other than Ted Cruz yeah has a hope of effectively debating Elizabeth Warren. Now, it is, what, what is true is that Yaron Brook could way more effectively debate Elizabeth Warren, more consistently debate Elizabeth Warren. But Ted Cruz is very intelligent. Yes, he must necessarily be tremendously compartmentalized because of his religion, but he seems to be pulling that off quite well. And again, some of our founders, some of the people who have done some wonderful things in this country have been religious. We wouldn't be and in this country. I mean, this country wouldn't exist if not for these men. They have to be so religious. So this idea that perfect, all no, religion... But the best that we've got in the context to actually fight egalitarianism and to basically, I think, have the best shot. I don't think these milquetoast guys... Is what they are. These milk toast guys is what everybody alive. wants. They would be eaten alive by Warren and Clinton. Uh, Ted Cruz would go out there and not worry if it's a female. He'd take him on. He's a champion debater. Yeah. I mean, he is. He's got awards for it, literally. Mm-hmm. He is incredibly light on his feet. I mean, people, and, he, and he's shown. I mean, he's been on all the yes. horrible shows oh, yeah. in the lion's den and he goes constantly. There and he goes away unscathed also. Mm-hmm. They're like, ah. There was an article today, uh, The Hill. The uh, The title was, He Didn't Use the Teleprompter. Something along those lines. I think Rush brought it up. That was an article-worthy title for them to send out there. Because we're so used to this hack at the White House being fed all this crap that he doesn't believe a lot of it. Whereas Cruz goes out there for a full half hour and completely off the cuff does an, his, the biggest speech he's ever done in his life. And he does it, you know, Smoothly, dramatically. There's also something about, about him. Also, there's something there's, there's the drama about him. Also, which is I think I think important. It's something uh, we need. You know, he's as close to a radical that's out there. You know, it, it, it's it's unbelievable to us. He's not. I mean, compared to what what it is we believe in, but he's radical as far as even the right is concerned. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need. We're going to need some middle of the road moderate to fight evil, which is what the left is bringing us. No, we need a guy who recognizes evil and kicks its ass. And I think Ted Cruz is the only guy who can do it. And this idea where we're thinking about the way down the future, let's worry about today right now. Right. This guy is running for president today. We can vote for him. Let's worry about that. And let's try to, you know, it's all about holding on. It really is all about hanging on right now. If we get a decent human being in the White House, we can start to build the country back. Uh, Joe in the chat room is saying that he's seen an interview of Cruz where Cruz said that he views policy from a, quote, Rawlsian lens. Now, of course, that would be very damning 
But the things that I've seen him do, for example, a Rawlsian, a true Rawlsian, would not want to repeal every word of Obamacare and put in its place free market solutions. So I, first of all, I want to see a link. If you could give us a link, Joe, that would be wonderful, huh? Have you? You've think, seen that? I think he has said that. Okay, well then that's that's my fourth question. But I have said, I have four yeah, questions. But he now said a number of things right? also, and again he, mm. he believes in God. Jesus is his guy. Loves Ayn Rand. That's one of his all-time heroes. He reads from Atlas Shrugged. He reads from Fountain. He doesn't read from the Bible on the twenty-one hour. He didn't he, read didn't read from the Bible. That's also something. You know, maybe noting. maybe what he's doing with Rawls, if he mean, I mean, you know, again, what does he mean by the Rawlsian lens? Does he mean? from, you know, viewing things behind the veil of ignorance and then you just pretend you're a purely rational being. Maybe Cruz has got a different answer to what he finds intuitive looking from behind the veil of ignorance, right. Rawls, all this stuff. I don't know. I would like to ask him. So I've got four we questions now. We should have a number of critics Cruz. of the Cruz here, which is fine. I mean, That's we, fine. we take yeah. them all, but yeah. I'm, I'm curious, who else do they have in mind? I mean, I mean that's, that's my point. It's yeah. like, if you hate this, you know, this great who, actor, right? Who, who, I hate who, that actor. Who is better? Who likes a, a mediocre actor? Right. You know, again, it, this is, as I said at the beginning, this is my contextual decision that this is the guy who I want to get behind. Do I know for sure that he is going to win? No. Um, do I even think that he is probably going to win? No. Do I think he's got a significant chance of winning such that it isn't a waste of time for me to try to support him? Yes, yes, I know that that's true. And I also, I also know that within the context, he seems to be head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of undoing a significant chunk of the damage that the nihilist and the milquetoast Republican George W. Bush have done. I mean, George W. Bush said he was going to prevent Iran from getting a nuke, no, and it never did. happened. No, he lied. So He, he never intended to. Right. So this, you know, okay, none of the above is a vote. Sure, fine. But the idea that, well, he sucks too, and they all suck, and that's that, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Post-Obama, we need to get back to some kind of rational <laughs> uh, individual in the White House. We need that. Look, what, look at the damage he's done. Look at the damage he's going to do the next two years. This is, it, we need this now. We need a decent human being, and he's the only viable one. I you, know. You, you want to bring an objectivist if he's viable? Please, go for it. You run. Thanks. I'll vote for you. Thank, thanks, if every, you're viable. thanks, everyone here for coming up with my four-question interview. Actually, my the fourth question I'm going to phrase like this to him. I'll just say Rawls or Rand. That's right. Say. So, and then he'll try to say both, and then I'll say. Did but you say it's not Rawls or my all-time heroes? <laughs> and he, right? Did he say that? No, but to me, it's read like, from Rawls on the floor, the, right? The, the fake Iron Rand keeps saying pandering for those pandering for. He actually does like Iron Rand. You could tell he likes Iron Rand. He said, "Go read Atlas Shrugged. Go do it." He read for minutes by Iron Rand. It's not just pandering for votes, and he wasn't better running at that moment. What he said two years ago, just for the record. So, you know, just that that kind of negativity I could do without. Really, this idea—it's all pandering, please. You know, also the idea he's pandering to the right. He's he's on the right. He is religious. Right. He does want religious people to vote. He wants people, the four or five million, whatever it was, that didn't vote for Romney, to vote. I want that, too, because that, that would have made a difference this time. That's true. That's true. Now, I'm trying to think if we have anything else. In, in terms of the... Religion or reason, yeah. That's the issue here. It's religion or reason. Religion. This, this election. I'm joking. It's not. <laughs> I mean, he's religious. He uses reason. All humans use reason. All humans, whether they reject it consciously or not, they have to. They have to live by it. And again, he's influenced by 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 the law. He's influenced by. 
One thing that I'm glad he did not say, because we know religion does play a role in his life, I am glad he didn't say, God told me I should run. If he had said that... I, I mean, he may have said something like that. Because, I don't think he... You know, he didn't no, say God no, told no, no, me. No, no, no. Uh, Glenn Beck, he's talking out of school to Glenn Beck about a private conversation happened before he went. That's private, Glenn. You know what I mean? It's name dropper, ultimate name dropper, mm. where he said something along those lines. Where really? We, we prayed and prayed. He goes, I loved hearing that. This is pathetic. I mean, Glenn Beck... He lied to us and to the world when he said, I read the Quran, I can unequivocally say it's a religion of peace. And also he said, the problem with America, you, yeah. know, you know what the biggest problem is? Godlessness. Right, right. Oh, wait, is that a problem with, with, the, with the Middle East? Godlessness? Right, exactly. Is that the problem? Exactly. Now, we've, we've got uh, just a few minutes left. Uh, Mark in the chat room says, what side is going to influence him, him most, reason or religion? And that remains to be seen. I mean, here, here's, we'll here's the thing. We are obviously going to keep our eyes open. It's not like we say, okay. That's it. He's the guy. Look, we asked um, last but, year, two years ago, is he the guy? He might be the guy. I hope he is. I hope he does a, a good job. That's it. I hope I hope he actually does like, like a regular where there's enough yeah. difference to, to give people some hope. Based on everything I see now, you know, again, think about the, That's where we are. the timing of today where we can see the contrast between 240 years ago a day you know today Patrick Henry giving give me liberty or give me death in a church in Virginia yeah. versus 5 years ago yeah. Barack Obama signing a piece day. of legislation that is putting the nail in the coffin for one sixth of the American economy and then we have Ted Cruz, who is proposing to take us more back towards the former and farther away from the latter than any of the other candidates are proposing. And, you know, if, if he was, oh, maybe just a little better or whatever, he is saying things that I have not heard from any other. Now, it might be that he's going to end up pushing some of the other guys in the right direction. Let's see what happens, well, see what happens. as they declare, threw, as they have debates, the et cetera. These guys mm -hmm. will, will react to him. Whether they, whether they like it or not, they have to know. Whether they're going to go more right, more religious, less so, who knows? And one thing I'll tell you, I mean, regardless of how this turns out, right, think about the fact that three years ago, right, three years ago, you would have never thought that a politician would be significantly influenced by Ayn Rand to the point of getting on the Senate floor twice, two twice. different times, and talking about Ayn Rand as hero and then actually making a name for himself fairly quickly, being smart, being competent, being and declaring for president in such a you know dramatic and very solid speech yep. that he gives today. Um, would I change some things about Ted Cruz? Certainly, I would change some things about him. But we're we're going to keep our eyes open as time goes on, and that I think that's all that we can do at this point. The fake Iron Rand is uh, completely dismissive of him. I think the real Iron okay. Rand wouldn't have been as, as dismissive. You know, the, the real well, Iron if, Rand, if he does, if, if if he says all these things that are going to make me shudder and stuff, I will. I mean, I'm not going to eat my words because no, my words are people, made in the context right saying, now. What if? What if? Let's wait. Let's see. Yeah, let's so wait and far, see. Overall, um, good. Kudos to Tammy Bruce. All. Kudos to Tammy Bruce for keeping her eyes open. Kudos to Kimberly Guilfoy, who was the host on The Five, who took over that segment today and did a really good job grilling Gutfeld. Gutfeld, we're going to change your mind someday over a lot of glasses of wine. Um, Dana Perino, 
kudos for being objective and, as far as I could tell, cautiously optimistic about Cruz. She really gave him his due where he deserved it. And that's awesome. Everyone, if you want to continue the conversation, um, I guess come on over to the Don't Let It Go on Her page on Facebook and post some comments for today's show or follow me on Twitter and we can chat there as well at Amy Peekoff. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Have a good evening. And we're planning on being back here same time on Wednesday. So thanks, y'all, and take care. Bye. Take care.